From Pain to Purpose is a show that will bring inspiration, love, and healing to your lives. It's a show that will teach you that your trials and tribulations in life is only temporary and that it's only preparing you for your greatest calling. A show that will give you the courage to share your story with the world and not care what others may think or say. For your story is the key that will unlock someone else's prison. What was meant to kill you, God used it to prosper, restore, and strengthen you. To always remember that without pain, your purpose cannot be fulfilled into the power that God has ordained you to walk in. From Pain to Purpose by Aisha Monique. Stay tuned. Speak your truth. Today on Pain to Purpose podcast, we have Ms. Asha Gilbert. Welcome to the show, Asha. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Tell us about Asha. That's a complex answer, I can tell you that much. Um, I'm from, I was born in Tucker, Georgia. I kind of lived all around metropolitan Atlanta before deciding to get my degree here at Savannah State University. Um, I got my bachelor's in journalism and now work full-time as a reporter for the Savannah Morning News. Awesome. Um, that's kind of the short short and sweet, mm-hmm. you know, real simple version, but I'm pretty sure you got some questions for me to dive into. Yeah, <laughs> so actually, how is that, you know, working for the Savannah Morning News? Working for the Savannah Morning News has definitely been an experience. Um, I think sometimes, especially when you first come out of college, you have this idea <clears throat> of what, <clears throat> excuse me, being a journalist is going to be like. And then you get in it and it's it's worse than that, especially this year <clears throat> with COVID. I mean, 2020 with COVID. Um, it, it was definitely hard, you know, to, to see and report on all the lives that are being taken. Yeah. Uh, to see the, the effects of the, the big effects. So we know that people are dying, but the other effects, the, what's going to happen <clears throat> to the educational system, what's going to happen to the people who have lost their jobs, thank you, um, and all that. Okay, so working at a news station was something you always wanted to do, or what was no. your original <clears throat> dream? I think my original dream was to be a doctor, um, but I don't do well with death. Um, I was actually a business management major when I came to Savannah State, but um, I failed econ, <laughs> and I realized I wasn't good at math. And then I switched to behavioral analysis, but it had too much math in it as well. So then I was like, well, I love to write. Let me see <clears throat> what journalism has for me. So Okay. And what made you want to be a doctor? What? You know, as a child? I think I just always wanted to help people. And I think as a kid, when you think about helping people, your mind automatically goes to, like, doctor. You know? So I think as a kid, that's just where my mind went. Like, if I'm a doctor, I can help people. Okay, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about some struggles you may have faced in your life. (laughs) Child, the reason I was late today is because I was crying until 5 in the morning. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I go through it. I, I really do. Um, certain struggles. I mean, from the beginning, um, you know, the cards I was dealt, you know, single single parent. And my mom was very intelligent. Went to Clark Atlanta, started to get her master's at Emory. Um, but my dad was not present. And I was the product of a extramarital affair, um, which definitely... Um, 
it, it was hard growing up and then not really having any men in my family. My mom's dad passed away when she was 16. Um, my uncles were kind of non-existent. One of my uncles I, I spent a lot of time with as a kid, but then he moved to California and California, Georgia, you know, that's oh, a yes, that's way long, um, don't have any brothers that I'm aware of who knows with my dad, just kidding, living dead. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I definitely experienced some sexual abuse growing up too, which definitely, uh, skewed the view of myself and skewed my view of men. Okay. And how have not having any father figures, you know, in your life affected you? Well, it affected me because I didn't know how to have a relationship with men. And I've always struggled with that. Um, my first encounters with men were when I was sexually abused and things like that. So growing up, I just thought that's the way relationships with men were supposed to be, sexual. Um, and because I didn't know how to have a dad or never seen a, a child father relationship, even with my own dad, I remember him telling me one time, Asha, you treat me like I'm your boyfriend. And I'm like, I don't know how else to treat you because I don't know. Mm. I have no idea how to have a relationship with you because I've never seen it. So it's like starting from literal scratch, nothing. Wow. And how old were you when you were, um, sexually uh, I think it began when I was super young, when I was about four or five. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the progression just kind of kind of got a lot worse. Okay. And how do you cope with that? You know, do you, do you think about it often or <laughs> how do you cope with it? For me, um, thankfully at Savannah State, I actually got into... A situation where I was had issues with drinking um, so they mandatory put me in counseling and that's what started to help me take some of the blame off myself because I had carried guilt for so many years that it was my fault that these men did this to me because of me because I was just wanting attention and blah 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 um, the coping is still um, it's hard. I realized throughout college, I really numbed myself with alcohol. So you think you're having a good time, mm -hmm. but really you're just using a numbing agent to get through the pain. And I kind of created that same type of um, coping with men. So I would, I, I was very promiscuous in college and I'm, I'm completely open about that mm -hmm. because I was just trying to numb myself. And I think because I lacked power when I was younger, when these men were doing something to me, I wanted to regain that power in college. So when I was in college, I was like, I'm in control. I'm going to do this to you. And then I'm never going to talk to you again because I wanted that power back that was taken from me as a girl. And did you ever tell your mom about it? Were these men family? <laughs> or, you know, if you told her, how did she react? Like, And um, rest in peace, my mom. My mom passed away in 2016. Um, when I finally told her, the main person who manipulated me, which was my best friend's dad, uh, I told her at 19, mind you, this had started with him when I was 12. And um, she said, well, why would you say anything now? And I don't think she meant to hurt me in that way, but I think maybe because of her own past experiences and maybe being told to shut it up, keep your mouth closed, keep it moving, you know what I'm saying? That that's what she projected on me. Why would you say something now? Yes. And you said maybe like four. Mm -hmm. Or was it 
when I was when I was a young girl, um, one of my mom's friends' sons touched me. Okay. Um, and I don't think I told my mom till later. Later after that, I also had a uh, family member, uh, a female family member, do things to me when I was younger, and I um, we can get into that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was definitely very overly sexualized as a kid. Gotcha. Very. And what's your relationship like with your dad? So me and my dad now are actually like best friends. It actually started because um, we 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 have fought it out. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Kobe Bryant died, and growing up, I loved basketball. I used to uh, wear the number twenty four. When Kobe Bryant died, I called him, and um, that was the beginning of our relationship. Now and we've been so doing really last good. Year. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. We had a relationship prior to that, but I had this thing where I would cut him off when I felt like he was going to hurt me. Because, mm-hmm. again, it goes back to that control. Yeah. Um, so when I thought he was going to hurt me, I would I would cut him off and be like, I'm not going to talk to you or I'm not. Because I think a part of me really just wanted him to apologize mm-hmm. for not being in my life the way I think he should have. Gotcha. And did you ever get to a point where you just healed your inner completely? No. No? Okay. I still struggle, um, even to this day. Um, it's kind of hard when you've, for more than half of your life at this point, have been exposed. And then when you're exposed, it creates a cycle. So actually, I'm in the process right now of definitely working to, to break that cycle so I can live a happy life that I want to. But again, it's hard because I didn't get like this overnight. There are things that happened over the years that made my brain be like, okay, this is what you need to do to feel better. This is a quick fix for you so you don't have to feel bad about yourself, even though you're going to feel bad after you do it. Um, But I'm definitely in the process uh, right now of of self-healing. Okay, gotcha. Also, um, do you have any children? No. Do you plan on having children? Because I know some people... You know, I've talked to a lot of girls and like, you know, that happened to them. They was like, I don't even think I want to have kids, you know, because of what happened to me. Ooh, honey, I'm too transparent, but whatever. <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Um, I actually was pregnant this summer. Uh, thank quarantine for that, you know. Um, and I had decided to get an abortion because I saw history about to replay itself with me. And, and you actually like I, I I saw it I mean it was damn near the same situation my mom was in when she had me, and I decided that I did not well, I'm gonna be completely honest, I have a fear of failing, and sorry, I don't want to get emotional You're I was not gonna take the risk of failing a child i I couldn't have that on my conscience gotcha. and i and I don't think I was ready and i knew that I would have a unhealthy relationship with my child, an unhealthy attachment relationship with my child because it's just me. And I don't you're still have, trying to heal yourself. Right, and I don't have a grandmother. I mean, I have. they've passed at this point. So if I were to have a child and live here in Savannah, I would have no help. So it would just be me and this child, and it just wouldn't have been healthy in my personal opinion. Gotcha. So what's your relationship now like with men, women, like, <laughs> like, I think my relationship with men is definitely on the up and up. I'm learning how to create better boundaries. And I was actually, when I was crying this morning, I was talking to my homeboy and I was like, you know, 
sometimes I don't know how to just tell people I need a hug. And because I learned at such a young age that sex is, is a tool for me to get some type of relief or some type of intimacy or some type of love, um, that's something that I've struggled with, but I'm, I think I'm definitely getting better at creating those boundaries and just kind of seeing and not having hope. Cause sometimes I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. Yeah. So sometimes when I meet a guy, I'm like, Oh my God, maybe this is the one. <laughs> and then he's just like, yeah, I just want to Netflix and chill at your house and see what you about. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so also I know, um, growing up you had a problem with like colorism. Can oh. you speak more on Oh, absolutely. Um, Growing up, well, one of the elementary schools I went to, um, it was like me and maybe like five other black girls. And one of them, me and her became very close. Um, She was light-skinned mixed from New York and stuff like that. And she was always deemed the pretty one, Mm -hmm. you know, out of the friendship. Because it was me, her, and then my other friend who was light-skinned, blonde hair, green eyes, gorgeous girls. Um, But that kind of created like an envy in me. And um, going further than that, you know, I didn't really know what to do with my hair. Once I got a perm, you know, once your mom was just like, all right, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. You know, we pressing it, trying to get a little curl in, just messing up our hair. So my hair was jacked. The only thing I really felt like I was good at was basketball. Um, And... I, like I said, I, I was very envious of, of lighter-skinned people. I didn't even like dark-skinned men. Mm-hmm. I would not even talk to a dark-skinned man. And it's crazy, right? Because right. now I won't, even look at a, <laughs> I won't even look at a light-skinned man. No offense. Mm-hmm. But I love my chocolate men now. But I think a part of that goes to me going to an HBCU mm-hmm. and kind of learning more of our history. Because I had no sense of self. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it meant to be a black woman. I had people tell me what it was to be a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And throughout all of your struggles that you have faced in life, mm-hmm. how did you find your purpose through your pain? Mm. That's a loaded question. <laughs> purpose through my pain. I think for me, me being so transparent, and I get in trouble for it a lot because I... I, I I allow myself to be vulnerable, but I feel like that's my purpose so I can help somebody else with their pain. Because a lot of times people think that they're alone. So even when I went through my abortion, I posted it on my Facebook and I got so many messages of girls like, I'm in the same situation. Like, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? Or even older women, 40, 50, like Asha, I've been there. Like, I understand completely. Like, I feel like my purpose... And I actually watched that movie Soul, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all seen Soul? I want, I want to see that movie. <clears throat> that movie Soul, where it's just like we're we're sitting here looking for the ocean when we're already in it. I've been living my purpose this whole time. I think I've helped my dad become a better man. I think I've helped women who have felt like no one understands or they're being ridiculed for doing what they do or you know being promiscuous and people don't even understand the the psychological stuff behind it. And I think that's how I found my purpose by helping people and being so transparent about everything that I go through because it is hard. Mm-hmm. But if I can let one person know that they're not alone, then that's enough for me. I will take being called whatever name in the book if it's going to help somebody. Gotcha. Because my transparency will overweigh my pride every time. Yes. 
and you know sometimes you know like when you when, when you're going through things you, like you say you feel like you're the only one mm-hmm. by yourself but it's other people out there going through worse absolutely than you know what you're going through um what else because it's something you can tell you know the young girls you know you know who's who's looking for love in all the wrong places like what else could you you know tell them it took me till I was 26 years old, and I'm 26 now, mm-hmm. to realize what I was doing to myself for a long time. I People have to go through their own process. I feel like with young girls, it, I mean, it's hard because you probably are looking for love and attention. My mom had to work, so she didn't get to spend the time with me that I needed. And being in a one-person household, what more can she do? She has to provide for her children. Um and when you have these predators and especially these manipulators out here, um, you just have to be very, very careful. But I would tell any girl, if you're going through something, don't bottle it up. Have the courage to speak out mm-hmm. so you can start your healing. Because yeah. I had this shit built up in me for almost two decades before I really learned that it wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. It's not. It and it's not. okay to say that your mom failed you or your dad failed you in a certain type of way. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. Mm-hmm. It's just they may not have had all the tools that they needed to give you what you needed. Mm-hmm. And I know you say your mom passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, you know, of course I know, you know, losing a mom is hard. But um, how do you feel, do, do you feel like you you all could have had a better relationship, you know, she, you know, how do you feel about that? Because, you know, I know a lot of young girls, Mm -hmm. you know, you have some who have great relationships with their mom, and then you have some who doesn't. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when people pass away, you may think, I wish I would have did this, I wish this, you know, I wish, I wish, I wish. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about, you know, the whole situation, you know, with your mom and her saying what she said? Let let me go back. Uh, let me go back to when I was a kid. I, me and my mom had a very decent relationship. I used to think my mom was the coolest ever. She used to ride motorcycles, so I used to feel so cool when my mom would pick me up on the motorcycle, and I'd be like, bus suckers! And then, like, we'd be in the bus line, and my mom would just take off. I used to feel so cool. I think when I got to fifth or sixth grade, there was a change in me. Um, I'm not really sure where it stemmed from, if it had been... Uh, bottled up things or what happened um but but I definitely changed maybe I realized I didn't have a dad and I was horrible to my mom Mm -hmm. I mean I put my mom through hell Mm -hmm. I'm talking about running away sneaking out having sex joining a gang just trying to figure out somewhere where I would belong and I think after I hurt my mom a certain amount of times she cut me off emotionally Mm -hmm. so here you have a child who is going through a lot. My mom didn't know to the extent of how bad everything was. But I was a child looking for some type of love, and then my mom cuts me off of her love because I've hurt her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving, when I came into college, I was very upset with her because she didn't take out the Parent PLUS loan, so I almost wasn't able to come to Savannah State. Mm-hmm. And I didn't talk to her. I didn't talk to her my freshman year like that. I was I was really angry with her. And then once the cancer came back, I mean, at that point, I mean, it was hard. I I did my best. I would go see her or whatever, but 
she she was dying of cancer and that was hard and luckily i was in therapy let me make i was in therapy before my mom passed away so i was told to have the conversations that i had and i told my mom like i was angry and i took it out on you you weren't a bad mom you did what you could do with what you had you know mm-hmm. and i think my mom had to think in her too where she just wanted to be loved mm-hmm. you know so that probably some of her decisions that I think that she failed me on was because deep down inside, she just wanted to be loved and appreciated. Um, So I don't necessarily live with regrets because I I had the conversations I needed to have. Do I get sad sometimes knowing Mm -hmm. that I don't have a mom? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a mom, but not knowing that she's here because you you get all these accolades. Yeah. I graduated college. I didn't get to graduate high school. I got into a fight a month before high school ended and they kicked me out. So I had this big thing, and my mom told me, Asha, please don't take 10 years to graduate college. It took me six years. Mm-hmm. And by that time, she had passed. I got my job at the newspaper. I got these accolades at the newspaper, and I can't share them with her. And that's hard. Yeah. And how can we find you on social media? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Coastal Asha. You can follow me on Instagram at Asha G Media. Facebook, Asha Gilbert. Um, you can just Google Asha Gilbert and most of the time I'll pop right up. And how do you spell Asha? A-S-H-A. Oh, okay. And I'm A-I-S-H-A. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, Paint to Purpose with Asha Monique. Thank you for tuning in to Paint to Purpose podcast. You can find each and every episode on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcast Hub, SoundCloud, at heavytraffic.com. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Also, follow me on Instagram at underscore pain, the number two, purpose, underscore. You can also email me at pain, the number two, purpose, podcast, at gmail.com.